everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me again. We're going to jump right into today's subject. So the last couple days, we talked about uh, what affected the last generation greatly. Uh, books like The Late Great Planet Earth that used 1948 as a way to just kind of uh, hype things up and cement things in the minds of people, and we're going to look at something else that affected the that same generation in that same era, and that is the movie "The Thief, A Thief in the Night." I don't now. I don't know how many of you have seen this movie before, but this is definitely a B movie from. It was in 1972. So understand, this movie came out shortly after the late great planet Earth. While that was in the process of selling millions of copies, hyping up a lot of things and times and being wrong on everything, as we covered in the last couple of programs, we also had the Thief in the Night movie that came out and greatly influenced a generation. Now, unfortunately, I am not going to be able to show clips. I made a whole episode that was just great where I had clips from the movie uh, just showing these things that I'm going to talk about, but YouTube blocked it because of copyright uh, stuff. And so, unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to be able to share those clips, but I would encourage you to look it up on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing on there. And it's it's pretty cringe, but you know it was from the 70s. It's very low budget, definitely a B movie. But this movie had an impact. Anyone from that era, they watched that movie. I remember watching it in the mid-80s, and it terrifying me. And I get it. It's 2023. Everybody's used to all the crazy horror movies, slasher movies, and not much registers with this desensitized generation. But understand that movie had an impact on Christians in the 70s and 80s, without a doubt. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. And I'm, I'm just going to have to tell you what was in it and um, how it influenced doctrine. But the first thing that I want to do, I want to point out, because one thing that frustrates me greatly that I still hear preachers preaching about, and I'm talking, um, and it's typically older ones, guys that are older than me, but they are still saying the same thing. And they did not get this from the Bible. Whenever you hear a bunch of preachers all saying the same thing and you can't find it in the Bible, you know, it's okay for you to say, well, where is this coming from? And I'm telling you, much of what people are still saying today, they got from books like Great, Late Great Planet Earth uh, and also The Thief in the Night. And I believe one doctrine that came from that movie, I'm sure they were not the first ones to mention it, but yet they made it big. But that is this idea that we disappear in the rapture. This movie put in the minds of Bible-believing Christians a, an image or a picture of the rapture and the tribulation that is still in the minds of people today. And what people have done is they've gone to the scriptures to prove this image that they got from this movie. But the reality is the Bible describes something very different when it comes to how things are going to play out at the rapture. The Bible has a very different description of what the coming of Christ is going to be like. And I think we should form our thinking from the Bible. But most people, they form their thinking from this movie 
Or maybe you say, oh, I've never even seen the movie, but that's how I picture it. Well, that's because that's how pre- preachers have described it to you in this way. And this image was put in their head from a movie. What is described and what is portrayed in this movie is what you've heard from pulpits for years. Now, so unfortunately, I can't, I can't show you the clips. But uh, in this movie, some, several things I want to point out that you will see if you go watch. First off, Matthew 24 is the rapture in this movie. And understand the previous generation did preach that Matthew 24 was the rapture. The key verse that they kept going to is Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. And understand, I do believe that is about the rapture. Nobody knows the day or the hour. And preachers have preached that for years to prove imminency. They've used that to say, you know, no man knows the day or the hour. And they've used it to kind of almost scare people with the rapture, which is what this movie did. This movie was was basically a Christian horror movie. It really was. And it did, it terror, it caused people to almost be scared of the rapture. And that might seem weird and that might seem foreign, but there's a reason for that. And I'm going to describe that here in a little bit. But the movie starts out where the, uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, a, uh, it starts out where the rapture just came. The girl wakes up in bed. She hears the radio. And she hears the guy in there talking about all these people disappearing. She goes in the bathroom and her husband's razor is still running uh, down there in the sink. And, you know, nobody's in the house. She starts freaking out. And then that guy in the radio, this could be the event, as the, you know, the Bible calls the rapture. And he quotes Matthew 24, uh, 36, which is just used over and over again in that movie. But then later it kind of has a flashback to where she's at this meeting with this group of hippies you know but christian hippies i guess they everybody looked like hippies back then apparently and this guy's talking about the rapture and he's going through matthew 24 talking about two being in the field one taken and another left and then he talks about how we're going to disappear just like that how many times have you heard a preacher get up talking about disappearing snap of the finger just like that that didn't come from the bible but yet this very you know this very demonstration that this young man is doing on there I've heard preachers my whole life, rapture's going to come, just like that. You're going to disappear, just like that. Clothes are going to drop to the ground, just like that. We've all heard these things. They didn't get that from the Bible. They got that from this movie. And so he, here you have this guy describing that, going to Matthew 24. Later in the movie, when the rapture does come, you know, the, uh shows this guy, he's out mowing his grass. The camera pans up to the sky, clear skies, sunny day. Camera comes back down. The lawnmower is just sitting there all by itself, still running, but the guy's gone, you know, and then there was this little girl that had gotten saved earlier and, uh, you know, she was carrying a doll around, shows her doll laying on the ground. It was just all of a sudden a vanishing and people saw that image like, man, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And so preachers started preaching that same thing, even though that is not what the Bible describes it's not what it describes at all but preachers get up and they will give that scenario another thing that was funny in that movie too that just was kind of a reminder of that arrow and we don't really see this anymore but um, back then I've heard many preachers tell stories about pranks they used to play on people making them think the rapture came where they leave clothes laying around um, or times where they thought the rapture came 
because they went home and nobody was there and they couldn't find anybody and they thought the rapture came. And it was the rapture during the 70s and 80s was like this scary thing that people thought was going to happen one of these days. And every time they couldn't find somebody, they wondered if the rapture came. You don't hear about people doing that anymore. And I think it's because more, one, I think for a couple reasons. One is I think people have a better understanding of what the coming of Christ is going to be like now. But then two, this is also, this is almost another subject, but I, I have to talk about this. During that time, there was a lot of bad teaching that was coming into churches that caused people to be very unsure about their salvation. And uh, and so and and I and I hate taking t- time to get into this, but I do have to get into this because, uh, as somebody who has just paid attention to what has happened in the last you know forty years that I've been alive, obviously I wasn't alive in the seventies, I wasn't alive in the eighties, but from hearing stories, talking to preachers from this era. I had a long talk just last year with a very old preacher uh, who pastored a large church at one time that was right there for all these things and and saw all this stuff. And he was describing the events of the 70s and the 80s to me. And I have come to the conclusion, based on books that I've read from that era, based on preaching that I've listened to from that era, I'm going to tell you what happened in the 70s and 80s. First off, you, know, you had the sexual revolution that started in the 60s and was going into the 70s. And there was a kind of an awakening that took place in America during that time. And there were preachers that were standing up against that kind of thing. The public school system was also going down the toilet during that time. And you had a, the Christian school movement that started. The Christian school movement, it resulted in a lot of pushback from the government, a lot of uh, there were a lot of lawsuits during that time. There were a lot of preachers that were arrested during that time. I've heard all kinds of stories about big stands that they took and about arrests that were made. Um, that p- pastor I was talking to uh, last year, uh, he told me a bunch of those stories and just some of the major lawsuits that were that were fought and that were won during that time. And there was there was a lot of persecution against churches during that time. And Christians typically thrive under persecutions. They typically rally, and that's what happened. And the Lord blessed during that time. And there were a lot of churches started, a lot of churches grew. You have your your first mega church pop up during that time, where you have First Baptist and Hammond, uh, that was very influential, had a big impact uh, during that time. So a lot of great things did happen during the seventies and eighties. But understand, while God was doing a work, the devil was also doing a work too, and. During that time, you also had um, a lot of leaven that also started coming into the church. Because understand, that revival stopped for a reason. It stopped for a reason. Now, that pastor that I was talking to, I asked him, I said, what happened? You know, why did all this stop? You know, and, and this is what he told me. Basically, when they won, when they won the battles, when they won the lawsuits, when the persecution stopped, all of a sudden, churches kind of, they turned more into corporations and they started worrying more about how they were going to pay the bills and all these buildings uh, that they had built, how they were going to pay these mortgages because a lot of these churches went majorly into debt and they be, kind of became more focused on buildings and less focused on souls. The, the soul winning wasn't as big of a priority anymore during that time. It was more about the institution it was more about the programs, and they were they were doing more 
to try to keep the people in their churches so they could keep the, paying the bills than they were about just advancing the gospel. And as a result of it, it just kind of caused them to die. And, and so, you know, I think that's a pretty good analysis of what happened. But I also believe along with that, a lot of bad doctrine came into churches. You also had the TV preachers that were getting big during that time. You had Billy Graham that was out there who had a lot of false doctrine, but was seen as very successful, who was very influential, and he's preaching his repent of sins gospel. And a lot of good people picked up on a lot of really bad terminology and a lot of bad doctrine, and they got infected. You had John MacArthur um, that was also preaching his lordship salvation garbage during that time. And, And a lot of people started picking up on these things and the doctrine in the Baptist world became very, very shallow during that time. And so then when the, when the 90s came around, all of a sudden, you had people who saw the problems with the doctrine, uh, but then they just started, everybody just started fighting with each other. It got real split during that time, and we're, and we're just, as a result, today what we're seeing happen is you've got some of your old timers still trying to hold the line on things, but you've got a new generation that didn't know the old timers, that didn't see the glory days, and they don't know any doctrine. They are very poorly trained in the scriptures, and they're just frustrated. And so they're running to the, you know, to the Calvinists, the Reform crowd. A lot of them are going right back to the Southern Baptist stuff that a lot of people came out of during that time. And it's because they are just not doctrinally strong. And so there was there was a lot of hype, there was a lot of excitement in the 70s, but the Doctrine uh, kind of went on the back burner, and as a result of that, we have the mess we do today. These these problems sometimes take years and decades to manifest themselves. But if when we look back, you know, over the last forty and fifty years, it's not hard to figure out what happened. And you do when you think about the preaching that we have heard, especially when it comes to end times over the last forty years, fifty years, and you realize this is not in the Bible. You start asking, where did it come from? And you find out it came from books like Late Great Planet Earth, came from movies like Thief in the Night, and um, it messed a lot of people up. In that movie, there's a scene where the preacher is talking about all these people who have, he's heard all these stories about people who thought they were left behind. You know, and he gives a ex- story of a guy whose wife thought that the rapture came because he had left his shirt laying on the bed, and, and he's telling all these stories hype stories like that and there's this little girl looking terrified in the audience and then uh, she goes home in the next scene and she goes into the kitchen and there's a pot boiling on the stove and she can't find her mom anywhere and she just starts freaking out and screaming thinking that the rapture came you know and then her mom comes running in there and and then the girl ends up getting saved but again why were people even scared of the rapture i'll tell you why because so much false doctrine had come in people weren't even sure about their salvation Preachers were constantly scaring their church members with this idea that they might get left behind. Rapture could come back before the service is over, and you might not really be saved. You're just going to watch everybody's clothes drop to the ground, and then just you're going to be left behind. You're going to face seven years of tribulation. You're going to get stung by scorpions, and they're going to force you to take the mark of the beast. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. And your head's going to get chopped off, and they they just freaked them out with all this stuff. Why are we freaking out save people with these things? Why was this movie so terrifying? Talk to people who watched this movie back in the day, and they will tell you it terrified them. Why would a movie about the rapture terrify somebody? 
I'll tell you why. Because one, it wasn't completely biblical. But two, because people had just real sloppy view of salvation back then. Because of bad teaching that infected the church. And so today, you know, good Christians, or at least fundamental Baptists in churches like ours, we're not scared of a rapture movie. We're not even scared of tribulation movies. Even though we believe we're going to be here for the tribulation. But that generation was. They were terrified by it. And so it's embarrassing when you hear preachers today still describing the rapture exactly the way it was in Thief in the Night, the way describing the tribulation the way it played out in Thief in the Night. It's embarrassing because you realize these guys are still, they're, they're giving outdated talking points, things that have been disproved from the scriptures, and it's clear they got their thinking from a movie, not from studying the Bible. And I know that it sounds like I'm being mean, but I'm going to show you some things in the scriptures here too to just show that people's thinking is dead wrong. And and you have to ask, where did it come from? It came from a movie. The one scene you'll love on there some might give some of you PTSD from the last couple of years. Because again, not everything's wrong. I believe the rapture's coming. I believe the tribulation's coming. But when everybody starts taking the mark of the beast, there's a scene where the main girl on there who's not taking the mark, she's trying to go to stores and they all have these signs up that say citizens only, and then it's got this this symbol that they're putting on people that's like a computerized version of 666, and it's showing that you have to have the mark if you're going to buy or sell anything. And then it shows all these United police chasing after her because she hasn't taken the mark. And people were just terrified with that. But when you see all those signs up in all the stores, it reminds us of the no mask you know, no entrance, you know, know, where you had to require a vaccination status. And the similarities were very interesting. But but anyway, you'll have to watch that, watch the movie just for that part. I wish I could show you the clip of it. It's pretty funny. But anyway, this disappearing thing, because some of you are thinking, oh, no, I think the Bible does teach we're going to disappear. And, you know, and I love challenging people on that and letting them go to the Bible first to show me the disappearing. And you know where they always go? 1 Corinthians 15, 51, where it says twinkling of an eye. See, rapture is going to come. It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. How many times have you heard preachers get up and for 20 minutes describe how fast a twinkling of an eye is? You know, you think about the, you know, the, on this date with this vehicle, they, you know, finally broke the sound barrier on ground. You know, in the air, the fastest that they've ever flown is this many miles an hour. You know, a spaceship can move at this speed. And they'll go into all these things about the fastest that man has ever moved. But one of these days when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to move faster than any of those things. I'm going to go from here to heaven across outer space in faster than that in a twinkling of an eye. You didn't get that from the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't get that from the Bible. The Bible does not teach we are going to fly from here to heaven in the twinkling of an eye. That is not what the Bible says. It says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, why is he bringing this up? Because he has spent several verses previously in this chapter explaining the body that comes in the resurrection. He's he's defending the resurrection of the dead. And people are like, well, what body did they come with? And he talks about how a seed, how it, when it's planted, it dies, but then it turns into this fruit. Same thing with our body. It, it's going to die. It's going to go in the ground, but it's going to be raised into a new glorified body. So what about those of us who are alive and remain? What about those of us who don't die? What's going to happen to us? And that's where he says, behold, I show you mystery. He's not revealing the rapture. 
He's revealing the mystery of the changed body. That's what he's revealing. People will tell you Matthew 24 is not about the rapture because Paul revealed the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, behold, I'll show you a mystery. He's revealing a new truth. No, he's not revealing the coming of Christ. He's revealing the changed body. That is the context. That is what he's talking about. And he says, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die, but we shall all be changed. We will be, our bodies will be changed just like those whose bodies have died and have gone to the ground, like he described earlier. And it's going to, the change will be in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So it's describing the changed body that's going to take place and it's going to happen at the last trump. It's going to happen at the glorious appearing of Christ. Many people are teaching this nonsense that the blessed hope and glorious appearing are two different events. No. When does our body changed at the last trump? Everybody will agree at the rapture. Okay. Well, how about Colossians 3, 4, where it says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Are you going to tell me that's not the glorious appearing? We will appear with him in glory when he appears. That's here on earth. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Why? Because we haven't been changed yet. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when we see him, we will be like him. That's crystal clear. The Bible shows us an image of Jesus Christ appearing, us seeing him, and us being changed. I believe what's going to happen when we change is we are going to be like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where his face shone, it shined like the brightness of a firmament, or I think is how it might have put it. Um, but then also in Daniel chapter 12, the Bible talks about how uh, at the resurrection, how they're going to shine like the brightness of a firmament. That's what's going to happen at the coming of Christ. The way the Bible describes things, it doesn't show a sunny day where everything's normal and just people vanish. That's not anywhere in the Bible. You know what we see in the, in the Bible? We see the sun darken, the moon turn to blood, stars fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. We see an earthquake. It's like God's getting the world's attention. Then, okay, after those things take place, then we will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. And, and notice, it's, you know, let's read this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heaven shall be shaken. This will get everyone's attention. And then shall appear. You're going to tell me this isn't the glorious appearing? Now, you, tell, you will tell me this is the glorious, that it's not the glorious, or it is the glorious appearing, but it's not the rapture. Um, you're going to tell me this when Christ appears is not what we read about in Colossians 3, 4. It's not what we read about in 1 John 3, 2. It's the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. What's going on? Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierce him, all the tribes, including Israel, is going to mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, I don't know how long that whole process is going to take out. I think it'll probably happen pretty fast. But either way you look at it, 
I think it's going to be real easy for the angels to identify us because there's going to be a group of people shining like the brightness of a firmament when the world is dark. It, that's the way. That's what the Bible describes. That doesn't look anything like what they showed on the thief in the night. Yet preachers are preaching it exactly like that. You cannot find anything in the scriptures, nothing, d- describing the coming of Christ that looks like what you will see in the thief in the night. But that is what everybody preaches. Where did they get that image in their head? They got it from a movie. They got it from a movie. They did not get it from the scriptures. And understand. All these things we're talking about, early 70s. And I'm telling you, you go back before the 70s, people were not as dogmatic about things concerning end times. Baptists especially, they did not divide over as many of these things. There was a broad range of beliefs about the rapture before the 70s. It was the 70s when these things got cemented in people's minds. It was the 70s when people got brainwashed from the TV preachers from the best-selling book writers, from the movies, that the rapture is going to be this pre-tribulation rapture before the Antichrist comes, before the mark of the beast, a disappearing is going to take place. All of that was hyped up in the 70s. You go listen to, you go listen to pretty much any song about imminency, about him coming as a thief in the night, uh, you know, which it's the day of the Lord that comes as a thief in the night. Uh, and, and, and I agree, that's the rapture, but... You all today are trying to say it's not, but either either way, all those songs were from the 70s on, from the 70s forward. Pretty much the only song I can find that talks about imminency before that is there's uh, an old one called, um, Is This the Crowning Day? And I forgot the first line. The first line of the song says something like, The Lord Could Come Today or something like that. But that's about it. Uh, we've got songs in our songbook that literally have changed the words of original hymns to teach imminency. Um, the song that I that I play for the opening and closing of my program, uh, Jesus is Coming Again. Uh, some of the hymn books, I believe our hymn book, at the end it changes a line to still Jesus will come someday, is Jesus may come today. That might be on What If It Were Today. I could be getting that mixed up. But it literally, I looked it up, I looked up the original words, and it didn't have imminency in it. But a lot of the songbooks are changing that to add imminency because that's just become an accepted doctrine. But I'm telling you, that was not a mainstream. That was not mainstream before the 70s. People started dividing over these things after the 70s when it got cemented in people's minds. And you did. And you had people in the Baptist world who stepped up and like, wait, no, it's this isn't right. This is pre-Rath rapture. You had guys that wrote books about it, but they got drummed out of IB circles real fast. But now we've got the internet, and it's harder to silence all these people. And the truth's getting out. And, you know, these uh, it's important, I think, to read these books, to listen to sermons from the 70s, to watch movies like this from the 70s, because all of a sudden it helps you understand the Christian culture during that time. It helps you understand the mindset of the people during that time. And what you'll see is there was a lot of hype of certain things. There was a lot of overemphasis on events like 1948. There was a lot of uh, weird teaching that got very popularized during these times because of the TV preachers, because of the movies, and these things got cemented in the minds of a generation, and you've got old preachers that are out there today still using these same talking points. And what's really embarrassing is when you hear young guys who are not around during this time repeating these things. 
And that's the thing. Some of you are saying, well, I say these same things too, and I never saw that movie. I never read like Great Planet Earth. No, but you heard these scenarios described many times. And what was very eye-opening to me is when I went to the Bible to prove the disappearing, to prove the, you know, the secret rapture, to prove all these things that I had been told and I couldn't find it, the question I had is, where did this come from? This is not what the Bible describes. So where did it come from? And then you start reading these books, you start watching movies from the 70s, you listen to preaching from the 70s, and all of a sudden it becomes very clear where these things came from. And it's, it's, it didn't come from the Word of God, and it's high time that you know, people repent of that foolish doctrine. And I'm telling you, most, I hate to say this, but most preachers from that era, they're never going to come around. They've said this stuff for too long. It would take a level of humility that they just don't have to get these things right. But you know what? Our generation, we don't have to continue spreading this leaven. The 70s and 80s, a lot of great things did happen during that time, but it stopped for a reason. It did. It stopped for a reason. It is true the church lost their focus, but it's true they let some things slip doctrinally. They let some things slip. And in the last 10, 15, 20 years, as more and more people have been preaching the truth about the rapture, we're, what we're seeing happen in the Baptist world is many men are doubling down and going deeper into dispensationalism and Ruckmanism and hyper-dispensationalism. And these things are some very serious heresies, and we need more preachers to step up and to confess the sins of the previous generation, uh, admit to their errors of dispensationalism and a, and a pre-trib rapture and an overemphasis on an ethnic group of people. You need to confess these things and get them right so you can move forward and the next generation can do better. But understand, the th- what, what you have heard, been hearing preached for the last 50 years, this, these things were not influenced by the very words of God. It was influenced by movies and other books. If we use the word of God, you, there is no way you will say that the rapture is not the glorious appearing of Christ. I mean, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. He's saying that to the church. You are really going to tell me that's not the glorious appearing? You know, but we know that when he shall appear, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. They don't want you seeing the rapture as this event where we're going to see Jesus coming. Why? Because that's not what that is not what happened in the Thief in the Night movie. It's not what happened in the Left Behind books. It's not what happened in the Left Behind movie. What happened in the Left Behind movie? The new one they made. You know, the late one I want Chloe on there, she's hugging her little brother, and then he just vanishes and her his clothes fall to the ground. That came from books. That is not what the Bible describes. And so I, sh- I, I show you all this and I want you to go and watch that movie so you will understand the previous generation and where their errors came from. The, where is the origin of the disappearing doctrine? I'm sure it was being preached before a Thief in the Night movie, but that's where it became big. You know, Israel becoming a big thing in 1948. I, I I guarantee you, people were talking about it before late Great Planet Earth. But that's what made it big. That's what made it 
mainstream. And folks, in, in our lifetime, when has the mainstream Christian community been getting things right? I mean, do we really think we're going to get the truth about things from Rick Warren, from John MacArthur, from Joel Osteen, people like that? No, it's not going to happen. We need to get back to the scriptures and loyalty to the scriptures. And un- unfortunately, we have loyalty to man today, or what the Bible calls a respecter of persons. And uh, people need to stop calling themselves Bible believers and just say, you know what, I have submitted my will and my thinking and my doctrine and everything in my church to the authority of Baptist popes. Might as well just be honest. That sounds terrible, but at least you'd be telling the truth for a change. So anyway, that's all we have time for on this today. I hope this was a help to you. God bless you. We'll see you all next time.